your Locked On Maple Leafs, your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, so welcome back, Ranger fans and Toronto Maple Leafs fans. we got a special crossover edition for you guys here today. This is John Chick with Locked On New York Rangers, joined by Michael Stefano of Locked On Toronto Maple Leafs. Michael, how are we doing today, buddy? No, not doing too, too bad. I think, uh, you know, I, we were chatting before, and for anybody who's, you know, listening from the, the greater Toronto area, we got just hammered with snow over the past couple of days. So finally it looks like it stopped, and the snow plows are finally getting to some of the areas that have been trapped for the last 24 hours. So things are looking on the up and up for, uh, for us Southern Ontario folk. Well, all the best to you guys dealing with that. I know that there was a forecast that was a little bit daunting here in the Northeast as well, but it uh, wasn't too bad. Only a couple of inches. I'm looking out my window. There's a little bit of snow on the ground, but uh, nothing that's going to slow you down too badly. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see how that shakes out for you guys. But, you know, Mike, I figure we might as well just uh, dive right into this. I wanted to ask you about, you know, it's kind of unfortunate. I feel like so much time now when you do this podcast, it's kind of spent talking about how COVID is impacting your team. And of course, Toronto, you know, you guys had a whole bunch of games postponed. You were playing very well going into what turned out to be a two and a half week break there. And you've played well ever since. But uh, how has COVID kind of affected this team? I mean, how many players have missed games? Are, are there significant pieces that have been missing from the lineup? Just how has it gone overall? You know what? The Maple Leafs have been one of the luckier teams in terms of missing guys from the lineup. Because the way that it went down is like also do the capacity limits up here in Canada. A lot of the home games were getting canceled for the cross-border travel so a lot of the games when the covid bug started to hit toronto were already postponed so they didn't actually really have to play many games without those guys and then it was looking dicey when they came out of the uh out of the the covid break or out of the uh the christmas break the pause whatever you want to call it and it was looking pretty dicey. Like there was like 12 guys on the COVID list and, you know, no Jake Muzzin, no Morgan Riley. There isn't going to be a bunch of really good players. And then all of a sudden the Canadian government decided that they were going to adopt the new CDC mandate as well. And then all of these players that weren't going to be available as we originally thought became available. And then the Maple Leafs didn't really have to miss many guys, you know, this past uh, road trip that they went on uh, Marner missed the first few games. So they did miss Mitch Marner against a couple of solid teams, but realistically when it comes to COVID they've been lucky in terms of, you know, that the CDC rule change coming at the right time, the perfect time. But what it also means because there's been so many games that have been canceled, that bill is going to come due at some point, right? Like, yeah. and, and you take a look at the Leafs. I think they played 34 games, I want to say, as of now. And there are teams that have played 40, 41 games, you know, in the NHL. So there's like an additional six, seven games that they're going to have to squeeze into this back half of the season that may come back to kind of haunt them um, with, a, with a very kind of tightened up year as they go down the stretch here towards the playoffs. And that's where I think it's going to, you know, we're going to look back and be like, dang, I wish they were able to get those games in so that they didn't have to. Cause that also, there's an injury risk to all that too, right? Like guys who don't get as much rest, there's going to be more travel as well. It's going to be uh it's going to be an interesting back half of the year for Toronto. That's for sure. 
Yeah, it could get a little bit messy. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because obviously, you know, we thought we were going to get the NHL playing in the Olympics this season. That's no longer going to happen. Uh, but you have that three-week uh, break built into the schedule in February. And for a while there, I was hearing, uh, you know, the NHL might look to make up a bunch of games there. But the Rangers have had a couple of postponements, and it's been all quiet on that front recently, at least from my end. I haven't heard about any games being rescheduled in that three-week period there. I mean, I have you did, heard anything on that recently? I, I did. I, I, I saw a report, actually, that said yeah. um, by the end of the week, the February schedule – should be a little more clear. I don't know if that means that they're releasing it or if it'll be more clear. I'm not sure what exactly that means, but apparently by the end of the week, we should have a better situation or we should know more so what the next month of the season is going to look like, where there originally was supposed to be that pause and it was supposed to be from what, like February 2nd to the 25th or something like yeah. that. So yeah. we'll have a better idea of what's going what's gonna to go down. Um, for a lot of these games that clearly need to be made up. So I'm hoping that that's true and, and we do get to see that. But as of now, yeah, I mean, we're, we're all pretty much in the dark. Like how many of them are going to be back-to-backs? How much of it is going to be travel? You know, it, it's it's going to be an interesting – because there's some teams too that, like I said, they haven't really been hit that hard with the COVID bug and they haven't had to postpone many games like the Anaheim Ducks who have played a league-high 41 so far – and comparatively to the Ottawa Senators, who only played 31 games. Like, there's 10 extra games there. It's insane. The Islanders as well. You know, yeah, the, yeah. the the you know team just, you know, besides you guys, the other New York squad. So it's going to be real interesting to see how they fairly can try and, and incorporate the games that have been missed, along with the teams who won't really have much games to make up within that three-week span. Yeah, it's funny how the NHL tends to be kind of vague when they announce things like this. I mean, it, it feels like they're kind of flying by the seat of their pants, too, which probably shouldn't really surprise. Yeah, yeah. Probably shouldn't it surprise will. anybody. But, well, um, yeah, you know, with the Rangers and the whole COVID situation, it's kind of the same deal as the Maple Leafs. I feel like uh, for the first, you know, couple of weeks of the season, they were getting pretty lucky, at least compared to a lot of the other teams in the league, you know, missing half their lineup on any given on any given night. Um, they recently have, have started to get hit a little bit harder, and I feel really good about the fact that they just went three and two on this road trip because they had a lot of guys uh, missing from the lineup. Uh, coach Gerard Gallant missed a couple of games. Uh, the assistant coach Mike Kelly, I, I think the final count was four games for him. Igor Shesterkin missed a handful of games. Uh, Panarin was out for a few. Strom uh, Lafreniere currently out. I, I don't think he's going to play in this game against the Leafs. Ryan Lindgren missed a couple of games. So, I mean, the list goes on and on. Um, but you know, I figure we can continue talking about this in just a second, Mike. But first, just wanted to let all of our listeners know today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers and Locked On Toronto Maple Leafs is brought to you by Built Bar. It is the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good, you'll want to eat it unlike other protein bars, which can be chalky or waxy or taste like a chemical spill. Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate, and most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. And there are so many flavors to choose from. 
coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, raspberry, cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie, and many, many more. In fact, Built is always coming out with new, limited-time flavors, so check Built.com often to see what's new. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. And, uh, Mike, I got to ask you while we're on the subject here, man, do you have a favorite Built Bar flavor? Oh, there's so many good ones. Um, You know what I was a favor of, actually? And it didn't get, like, as much love in, you know, going behind the curtains a little bit. We got a text chain with all the Locked On hosts. A lot of people weren't a big fan of the churro bars, but I actually like the churro ones. Did you like those ones? You remember the churros that they were handing out to us uh, a couple of months ago? I I thought they were bad, yeah. I'm actually a massive churro fan, so, I mean, you could put – churro on like a piece of like sofa pizza and, and i would be in love with it just dust a little bit of icing sugar on it so the churro ones I, I i really did enjoy but one of the ones it's it's a it's a classic but the peanut butter brownie i, I love the peanut butter brownie one as well i think my favorite is mint brownie i'm a big brownie fan so it's kind of the same deal there you get like a healthy version of it and it's, it's pretty good the, but uh... the, the grasshopper one that they had too I like that grasshopper one. Wasn't bad, man. I'm, I'm looking for that to come back. But, uh, you know, I figure, uh, obviously, you know, both of our teams in good position right now. Uh, yep. Looking like they're going to be playoff teams. Of course, there's no guarantees. You know, half the season, more than half the season still to come here. But, you know, around this time of the season, every year, I start thinking about the trade deadline and what's going to be the Rangers' approach. And, you know, for the first time in a while, they're actually in position to be buyers, maybe even add a piece or two to this team instead of having another fire sale as they did a couple of seasons ago. Um, but how about you, man? I mean, what do you think the Leafs look to do? Is there a certain area of weakness that you'd like to see them address? Uh, address oh. Or is there any certain player that's out there that you'd love to see uh, throw on the Toronto Maple Leaf sweater? Yeah, I mean, like, we, I've been talking a little bit about and dabbling into taking a peek at what's out there on the market, but I think there's one piece that certainly is needed for the Maple Leafs team like there's one part that needs to be addressed and that's the blue line and that's more so the the right shot on the second pair um that that's what needs to happen like right now we went into the season with Toronto with having Jake Muzzin and Justin Hall as the shutdown second pair now they played well last year and they they deserve to get that opportunity to see if they could kind of keep it rolling and do it again this season but it just hasn't really gone as well as as many of us had hoped, as well as Sheldon Keefe and Kyle Dubas had hoped. And, you know, and they've had times where they've played together and then they've broken them up, put them back together, broken them up again. And now Justin Hall's on the COVID list. I don't think he's going to play tomorrow night as well. Um, neither will Jake Muzzin, for that matter. He actually suffered a concussion and sounds like he's not going to be in tomorrow either. But they need to address the blue line and, and specifically like a shutdown guy who they can pair up with Jake Muzzin and just have a reliable shutdown pair. And that's what I'm looking for. Top four guy. There's been some names floated out there. There's been a lot of conversations about potentially adding John Klingberg, which I don't really see the fit there, to be honest with you. Good defenseman. Don't get me wrong. I sure if I don't see the fit. Ben Sherratt would be an interesting player for me from the Montreal Canadiens. He's a tough physical guy. He went to the cup final last year. He's a good defenseman, stay at home, uh, steady Eddie type guy. And he's left-handed, but he can play the right side. So, I, you know, that's something that I think uh, could also be a player that they could look into. Scott Mayfield of the New York Islanders, another guy who, you know, big boy, 
plays six foot five, well, like 230 pounds, just a, a rock out in front of the goaltender who can kind of clear, clear the net and, you know, kill penalties. And that's the type of guy that I think the Maple Leafs will be looking for. And I think they will find it. I believe that they'll, you know, this is a team that needs to needs to get out of the first round, first and foremost, but believes that they can make a run if they do that and gain that confidence. Like, okay, this is this is how to win. We now have that formula because we did it in our first round of the playoffs and then hope to go further. But in order to do that, they need to they got to improve that blue line. And and, and I think that uh, kind of that second pair shut down right shot or at least a guy who can play comfortably on the right defenseman is is kind of that guy that they'll be looking for come the trade deadline on was it march 21st I 21st think? i think is the day yeah yeah, yeah. what about yeah. the rangers what do the rangers need what are they looking for yeah i mean I, I think a defenseman is in play but more than anything i, I think the rangers are probably going to look to add a forward Chikrin. well i keep hearing jacob trickering's been linked to the rangers a little bit here and there is that more so blogger type stuff or do you think that that's got some legs I think it's a little bit more blogger type stuff. I mean, I have no doubt that the Coyotes are, are going to look to, you know, retool and, and look to overhaul their team a little bit there. Uh, but the thing is, when I look at the Ranger defensemen, I don't see like this obvious glaring need because when you look at their top four, you got Fox and Lindgren on the top pairing, and then you've got Keandre Miller, great young defenseman, and Jacob Truba. Uh, we all know Truba will take your head off if he gets the chance to do it. So, yeah. I mean... As far as the top four goes, I think it's I, I put them up against maybe not the best in the NHL, but I whoever has the best quartet of defensemen in the NHL, I don't think the Rangers are too far off the pace there. And then when you look at the bottom pairing, you know, Patrick Nemeth, fans get mad at him every now and then. He's just kind of a veteran journeyman. He's been okay, uh, but they just actually promoted Braden Schneider, who was a first-round pick in 2020, uh, the same year that they got Lafreniere number one overall. And he looks great in his first uh, couple of games there with the Rangers. He's only played two games. I don't want to get don't, too far ahead of myself. But, I mean, you that. look at it. Th- What's up? And don't say that. Maple Leafs fans wanted Braden Schneider over Roddy on Amirov so bad. And when they passed on him, and then um, Schneider went like a couple picks later. Oh, man. that's a, And to hear that he's doing well just a year out. And now the Maple Leafs looking for right-handed, shut-down defensive defenseman. Oh, that's just right to the heart, that one. I feel you, man. I mean, he, um, in his first game, you know, he, uh, he was very visible. He actually ended up scoring the first goal of his career. But besides that, I mean, he's hitting people. He's knocking people down to the ice. Uh, didn't get caught out of position. Just looked like he belonged. I think that's the best way I can say it. But, uh, getting back as far as what I think the Rangers could use, you know, you look at their depth chart right now. And I think, uh, the pretty obvious, uh, hole is probably at right wing. Um, you know, you look at, you know, who was there at the start of this season and who was there last year. Obviously, Pavel Buchnevich was traded away, and, uh, you know, he's with St. Louis now. Colin Blackwell taken by the Kraken in the expansion draft, so he was gone coming into the season. Vitaly Kravtsov has, you know, his issues with the Rangers. He's back in the KHL. Um, Kako's been all right. You know, I, I feel like he's slowly progressing, but uh, he's on the top line. And they've kind of had this revolving door, uh, really, for the last couple of seasons on the second-line right wing spot. A lot of guys have kind of come and gone, and uh, I've had varying different, you know, degrees of success. But uh, I think to add like a bonafide sniper on that second line right wing spot would be huge for this team. Somebody that really comes to mind for me, former New York Ranger JT Miller. Uh, he's got to be the only guy that leaves the Tampa Bay Lightning and then immediately sees an uptick in his offensive production going to the Canucks. You know, it, that's hard to figure out. But uh, he's been great. And, um, you know, another really nice thing about him is that he can play all three forward positions. So that gives you some versatility. And if you really want like an off the wall idea, which sounds crazy at first, but it, I, I think, um, you know, it has at least a little bit of legs to it. Claude Giroux could be traded by the Flyers. And I don't know that they would deal him in division, 
But the fact that he's a UFA at the end of the season, maybe they wouldn't care. It's like, all right, well, he'll be with the Rangers for half of a season and then he'll probably end up signing somewhere else. So uh, just a couple of ideas, but I would think the Rangers biggest need is probably at forward. Can you imagine that from broad street to Broadway, Claude Giroux. Wow. It's, like I can't even picture him. It, it's so surreal to me just picturing him in a Ranger Jersey, but it could work. I mean, you could put him, you know, on the second line, maybe uh, he's the center and you move Strom over to right wing and, you know, that's that's a heck of a second line all of a sudden, but uh, that, that'd be something else, man. No doubt about it. Well, why don't we why don't we kind of tee up the game tonight? And we'll get into that and kind of preview it. But before we do, let's tell you guys about Bet Online. Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue to march toward the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. New year and new updated desktop and web mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code locked on to get started from football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers for 2022. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online. It's where the game starts. Uh, yeah, John, uh, you know, we got this game tonight. New York Rangers, Toronto Maple Leafs, two teams who are coming in rolling. I think it's going to be a good one. And last time these two teams played, it was a pretty close, tight game. But that was on the score sheet. Toronto, realistic, I think you can even attest to this. Toronto certainly outplayed the Rangers. Here's the problem. The Rangers have a guy on their team named Igor Shesterkin who <laughs> – criminally is not an all-star and looks like Mika Zibanejad was actually just voted in in the fan vote to be the all-star which over Jake Gensel to me that's 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 an interesting call we could debate that in just a moment but Igor Shosturkin um how much has that guy in a way put this team in the position that they're in to be contending for the division title I mean, he's been absolutely fantastic. And, and Michael, you know, you saw you had a front row seat for it early in the season. Uh, the Rangers going to Toronto, win two to one in overtime, a game that I will be the first person to admit they had zero business winning. Um, toward the beginning of the season, you know, the Rangers were struggling a little bit, couldn't really create any offense. The power play was scuffling. I think a lot of that was, you know, a new coaching staff, a lot of new faces on the team, everybody trying to find that chemistry, get used to playing with each other. But the guy who really kept them afloat was Igor Shesterkin. And you know, I, I was talking about this the other day, too, because uh, currently MSG is celebrating 30 days of number 30, Henrik Lundqvist. And, you know, they're getting ready to put his jersey into the rafters. But I can't even begin to explain how spoiled us Ranger fans are to be able to go from Henrik Lundqvist right to Igor Shesterkin. And to your point, Mike, you know, pretty criminally, pretty much a criminal offense that Igor Shesterkin, not a member of the All-Star team this season, um, I mean, the dude entered his last game with a goals against average of 199. I, I don't know how you can really do much better than that. So uh, he's been absolutely fantastic. And obviously the Rangers, you know, they have good defensemen, but they have some young defensemen. So there's going to be some miscues every now and then. And he's the ultimate safety net because they'll make a mistake, but he'll bail them out with, you know, a big time save in a big time spot. Um, so he's been fantastic. I mean, I can't even put it. I can't even do him justice on here, but I also wanted to ask uh, about Campbell because you got a heck of a goalie hey, over hey, there. Yourself. I, have, I have, I just, I just have, I have one more follow-up on yeah, that yeah. one. Just like, I quickly just dig was digging into the analytics and I, I looked this up a couple of weeks ago. I was curious to see if after the Rangers had won a few games, if this had changed, but the, I don't know how big you are into analytics, but you know, per natural stat trick, the expected goal for differential, the expected goal for percentage for the New York Rangers. Do you know where they sit right now? 
their goal for expectation or like the ratio? Yeah, like goal for goal dif- differential. Uh, yeah, the ratio, the percentage, the ratio for expected goals. I don't know the exact number, but I would imagine that of, of all the teams that are like up there in the standings, their ratio is probably like, okay, how how are they where they are? Is, is that kind of the long and short of it? Yeah, that's the long and short of it. The yeah. New York Rangers, an expected goals differential is 30th in the NHL. That's wild. 30th in the NHL. So that just goes to show what Igor Shosturkin is doing, right? That goes to show that the the goaltending that the Rangers are receiving, A, they're getting lucky offensively because they're scoring more than they're expected to, but they're also just getting ridiculous stops. Like the the goal for um, where they expected to – sorry, I'll just quickly look at this up. Goals against, they are – 26th in the league and expected goals against they are not 26th in the league in goals against so that just goes to show how elite Shesterkin has played this season yeah he, he's been fantastic I knew that um you know kind of like a variation of that stat that you just threw there I know that among goalies as far as goals allowed versus expected goals allowed that he I mean, I haven't checked in a little while, a couple of weeks maybe, but he was up there as far as like, you know, I, I think he was number one as far as, you know, goals allowed versus expected goals allowed. So, yeah, I mean, it, he's just been absolutely fantastic. I yeah. test her metrics, use whatever stat you want to use. He's He's been he's been phenomenal. Well, 100 percent. So if you look at like the goals saved above average, is that the the stat that you're looking at? Yes. That you're thinking uh, of? So goals saved above average and. Yeah, he's up there. Uh, last I checked, I think he was actually up at the top for a while. It was Jack Campbell. And then all of a sudden, you get Igor Shosturkin coming in and pushing him out of the way and taking the top spot uh, on that stat sheet. He's taking the top spot on a lot of stat sheets. He leads the league in goals against average, leads the league in save percentage, and now leads the league in goals saved above average. He stopped 20.95 goals above average. Jack Campbell second to him at 17.95 and Jack Campbell's had an amazing season. Like Jack Campbell's had a Vesna caliber year. I think these two goalies, and this is what tomorrow's going to be for me. This is going to be a matchup of the goaltenders. And, 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 you know, I think when, when Jack looks down and he sees Shesterkin on one end of the ice and vice versa, Igor looks down, this is going to be a battle of the Vesnas. And, you know, I, I think that it's just going to be a, a tremendous, tremendous game. And, Whichever goalie, you know, makes the the final save, I guess, is, is going to end up victorious. But to me, that's one of the battles that I'm looking forward to tomorrow is Shesterkin v. Campbell. Yeah, me too. And, uh, you know, one question that I had regarding Campbell, actually two. Tonight, because um, this, is, this is being released on Wednesday. We are not recording this on Tuesday. Yeah, absolutely not. <laughs> so if I ever say tomorrow, I do mean tonight. Yeah, I try to always say like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I try not to mess with tomorrow's and yesterday's because that can get really yeah. confusing. Fair enough. But um, yeah, you know, with Campbell, um, a stat that really jumped out to me. Obviously, I know he's your starting goalie. I know he's having a great season. He's the workhorse and everything. But man, I mean, he has started or he's appeared in at least 28 games this season. Peter Morazic, who, you know, at first glance to me, I hear that name. I think, well, he's probably one of the better backups in the league. Only four games. Um is this sustainable? I mean, are, are they going to keep going to, to Campbell as often as they have been like all the way through the season? So, so Mrazic's had a couple injuries here. Okay. So he, okay. he um, I think it was maybe in his first start. I think he lasted 40 minutes and then had to come out with an injury. And then uh, he, so he missed a couple of weeks there. And then when he came back, he tweaked his groin. 
I think after like his first game as well. So, you know, he's had a really bad luck with the injury bug and it's forced Jack Campbell to take on a role that no one was expecting him to take. This was supposed to be more of a traditional tandem, like a 55, 45% type of split between Campbell and Mrazek. And obviously you take a look, that hasn't quite been the case. Jack Campbell has carried the load and up until recently he had been leading the NHL in, in starts and, he already has set a new career high in, in games played in a season for starts in a season. And we're not even at the halfway point, you know, like he's going to blow past that. And what I think is, is amazing about that is there were so many question marks about Jack Campbell, about his durability, about whether or not he can string together a full season. If he can be a, not even just a number one, but can he be like a one a, we didn't even know that because he'd only played a career high of like 20 some odd games. So what he's doing this season has been just nothing short of remarkable. And he's got a contract that's due at the end of the year. So he's doing this in a contract season. That's going to be a very, very high ask, I would think. Um, but yeah, nothing short of remarkable for what Jack Campbell has done. That said, going forward, I would hope to see Peter Mrazek in net a little bit more just to make sure that Jack Campbell is nice and rested, especially with the condensed schedule that I think we're going to be expecting down the stretch. And I would rather not have a tired Jack Campbell when the playoffs run roll around, especially given that it'll probably be against one of those Florida teams who are just absolute juggernauts. Yeah, absolutely. And that was actually going to be uh, part two of my question there, because I was looking at, you know, free agents for, I mean, obviously I'm aware of the Ranger guys, but I'm looking at the Leafs and uh, his was the name that just jumped right off the page to me. He's only making 1.65 million. Obviously, he's going to get some oh, kind know. of a raise. Yeah. But I mean, uh, is Toronto going to keep him around? I mean, do they go all in with him? Is he their guy? I mean, it's a tough call. They got to. They got to. Yeah. They got to figure it out. Like, they got to figure it out. He's got to be priority number one going forward. Um, yeah, you know, there's a couple of other guys who they may have to try and get under contract. I know Sandine and Lilligren, two young defensemen, are also, uh, they're, they're probably going to have to look to get them signed. I think they're RFAs. Andre Cash, who's having a, a great renaissance season with Toronto's an RFA, uh, but he's got to be priority number one. I don't know what it'll cost. Uh, I something with a five in it, I would assume, would be the the number there for him. Um, I've heard rumblings that it doesn't seem like it's going to be an overly difficult contract negotiation. I think they understand that they both have a pretty good thing going, and you know, I, Jack Campbell's the nicest man in human history, quite literally. So. I wouldn't be surprised if he's willing to take a little bit of a haircut to make sure that this team has his best chance to win as possible. Cause he knows that that's ultimately the goal for this squad. Uh, so yeah, it's 100% gotta be the priority and I think it'll get done. I do. I, Peter Mrazek, if this does get done, Peter Mrazek's not here next year. Like, he can't right. have Campbell making five and a half and then Mrazek making 3.8 as the backup. Like, in order to get it done, there's going to have to be some movement here. And, and I would uh, imagine that Mrazek would be on the move somewhere. He's still got two more years after this left on his deal. So, yeah, that makes sense to me. I mean, I, I figure, um, do you want to throw out like a prediction for this game on Wednesday night or uh, anything else you want to hit on real quick here? Yeah. I, I just more so want to get, uh, want to get your thoughts on, on just overall, like how the the Rangers season is going and then what you're expecting out of out of tomorrow's game. So yeah, just a prediction from you and and if you think they can keep it rolling against a pretty solid Toronto squad. 
Yeah, I mean, overall, like I said, I think early in the Rangers season, it was kind of the Igor Shesterkin show. I think recently we've seen uh, the rest of the team kind of uh, catch up to Igor, so to speak. We're, we're getting this uh, out-of-nowhere career season from Chris Kreider. He's always been uh, a very good player, albeit an extremely streaky player for the Rangers. And now, at the age of 30, 10 years into his career, it's like he's finally put all the pieces together. Uh, can't say enough about the job that he's done. Uh, obviously, they've got some great young defensemen on the team. Uh, the, and here's something that I got to mention real quick. And, you know, obviously Leafs fans are aware of all the, uh, the household names on the Rangers, but they have four former first round draft picks, uh, at forward who have had decent seasons. They've contributed here and there, but they are Caco Lafreniere. Those are the two names that everybody knows. And then also, uh, Philip Heedle and Julian Gauthier. Now Gauthier was a first round pick by the Canes, but a first round pick nonetheless, the Rangers, when they get really scary and when you can like really picture them being a threat when the playoffs roll around this year is when those four guys or at least one or two of them really kind of take that next big time step forward. Because we know what we're getting from guys like Fox and Panarin and now Igor Shesterkin and Mika and Kreider. But man, if those young guys can really kind of reach their potential or get close to it, take... Yeah, go ahead. No, no, keep, keep, keep going. I just... I was just yeah, no, I was just going to say, if they can if they can reach that next plateau, then that's when it's like, wow, like, we've got something now. Like, look out for this team. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been a big fan of what the Rangers have been able to build the last couple of years. And you look at the prospect pool that they've gotten from having a couple of high picks the last few years. They've been extremely lucky when it comes to the uh, when it comes to the balls there uh, in the in the uh, in the draft lottery. But and I believe it was the Rangers who kicked out the Maple Leafs and took Lafreniere, actually. Uh, I still think that the lottery ball gate, I, I still think that, that that was weighted. He dropped it. It was clearly heavier than the I rest. I saw that. Clearly. But, I got to be honest. When my, my eyebrows definitely went up when the guy dropped the ball. I was like, oh, God. I know, right? The yeah. only one, it seemed to be the winner, huh? Hmm, interesting. No, I'm, I'm just playing. But I do want to ask quickly before I let you go, just because I know a lot of, of my listeners probably, you know, are curious about what's going on with Lafreniere because came in as such a highly touted prospect. He was supposed to be a, a beast and, you know, he's a year and a half into his career and just hasn't quite turned into the guy that they're expecting. Again, he's still so young. He's what, 19 years old, maybe going to be 20 shortly, but it's not the start to his career that a lot of people had hoped for. Uh, what's kind of been plaguing Lafreniere so far early in his career? You know, I think last season at, at times he was, and I don't want to just pile on David Quinn because he's no longer the coach here. I, I mean, he's, he's a coach that kind of divided the fan base for a lot of different reasons. I think one of them though, was at times, you know, he put Caco and Lafreniere on the fourth line. And I realized, you know, he's trying to win right here and right now, but the Rangers were still kind of in a rebuilding phase the last couple of seasons. And I don't think you're doing yourself any favors by having Alexi Lafreniere or Capo Caco play eight minutes a night on the fourth line with guys like Greg McKaig and nothing against Greg McKaig either, but he's not exactly an offensive juggernaut. So I think or that's part of it. Um, and I think just uh, overall, just adjusting to the speed of the game at the NHL level, I, I think Lafreniere, he's done a little bit better this year than maybe some people realize just as far as his overall game is concerned. He does have eight goals and that's, I think like fourth or fifth on the Rangers. So it's not like he gives you absolutely nothing. Um, I would like to see the Rangers eventually commit to him on a certain line with certain line mates. Um, you know, there's been some talk about, you know, we were talking about the right wing second line spot for the Rangers and how that's been, uh, you know, an ever evolving situation over these past couple of seasons. And there's been some talk about putting him there. He has played a little bit there. 
obviously he's on the ice with great players, but then you're taking him away from his natural position of left wing. Um, so I'd like to see him eventually, uh, hopefully just kind of stick in the lineup at a certain place, get to develop a certain amount of chemistry with certain players and uh, just kind of hopefully he gets it rolling from there. Um, that's pretty much the long and short of it. I mean, he hasn't been where a lot of guys, a lot of experts might expect him to be, but uh, it's not like he hasn't contributed at all this season either. And I think he's a little bit better of a defensive player than he often gets credit for as well. Uh, there was a play. It's very good on the back check. There was a play not too long ago. Odd man rushed down the ice. I forget who they were playing, but man, I mean, he went flying back, laid out, dove, knocked the puck away, made a really nice play there. So uh, he's contributed a little bit, but yeah, I, I think it's fair to say that a lot of us thought that he'd be a little bit further along than he is right now. You still hoping and think that he will turn out to be that, that, you know, top line point producer that he was expected to be. I think he'll get there, man. You know, again, it's, it's with him and Kako both. I mean, they're not quite where you would expect they would be in their second and third seasons respectively, but I feel like they've both, you know, gradually taken baby steps forward. So at least they're moving in the right direction. You know, Kako himself had a stretch earlier this season where it looked like he was ready to go off, you know, had a really nice point streak there. Uh, he gets to play with Mika and Kreider, was making some really good passes, looking like he was about to be the player that the Rangers hope that he's going to be. But uh, I think eventually they'll both get there. I'm, I'm keeping my fingers crossed because obviously the Rangers have a lot of eggs in the uh, Kako and Lafreniere basket, so to speak. <laughs> and you said, so Lafreniere is not expected to play tomorrow. Before I give you my final prediction, you, to the best of your knowledge, you know who else may be missing from tomorrow's, uh, from the lineup in the game on Wednesday, which is going to be tonight, not tomorrow. <laughs> I do that every time. Every yeah. Time. Um, no, I mean, it, it's hard to keep up with it, honestly. I mean, it, I there, it's an ever-evolving situation. Uh, I don't, I, I thought I saw Strom's name, but then I think I saw right before we started recording here uh, that he's going to end up being able to play. So, um, and Dryden Hunt's out of the lineup, but that's with an injury. Um, Gautier, I, I don't know if he's going to be available, but uh, we shall see. How about for the Leafs? Any notable absences? Yeah, they got Justin Hall, uh, Andre Kasha, Nick Ritchie still on the COVID list. I don't believe that they'll be ready to go uh, in time for the game tomorrow. And then Jake Muzzin, uh, you know, wasn't at practice yesterday and later found out that it was uh, due to a concussion that he had sustained in the game against St. Louis. So he's expected to miss the next two games for Toronto. So, you know, they're missing their entire second pair defensive unit. Andre Kasha, who's been a, a beast for this team. Richie, maybe addition by subtraction for, for that regard, but yeah. uh, that that's that's a lot for Toronto to overcome. I'm going to be honest with you, and this might be the first time all season on the show where I've I've been a little bit worried. And when I make my prediction, this might be a, a Rangers victory in the horizon. Uh, you know, like it's just it's just a lot to to overcome, especially you know on the back end. You're missing two two core pieces, and you know it's going to be asking a lot of of Rasmus Sandin and Timothy Lilligren, who were practicing uh, seemingly will get the second line duties on the second pair. And that's going to be tough because that's a deep squad. You know, it's a deep squad out, out in New York and, you know, with them having home ice advantage as well, they'll get last change. They can kind of pinpoint when they want to attack. I think that the Rangers might be able to scoop this one up, but I think it'll be a good goalie battle. I think three, two Rangers. Overtime. Overtime. Do we see another overtime game? Why not? Maybe. Why not? I, I think it's going to be a heck of a matchup, and I have a similar final score, but I'm going to go four to three Rangers, which 
might seem a little bit on the high end, you know, given especially the praise that we just heaped on uh, Campbell and Igor Shesterkin. But I just feel like, you know, they played a couple of 2-1 tight contests early in the season. There's so many offensive threats on both teams. I just feel like they're due for a little bit of a high-scoring game. And on top of that, neither team has played since Saturday. So everybody's going to be fresh. I feel like it's a little bit on the high end, maybe 4-3 Rangers in OT there. All right. Those are the predictions. Uh, John, this was, uh, this was a blast and enjoy yes, the sir. game. Yeah. Yeah. Enjoy the game, man. And, uh, Ranger fans and Leafs fans. We'll see you guys next time.